0: You are listening to Be The Love, to awaken our souls. We are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings.
1: This is Mia Tarduno. This is
0: Dig with Sacred Fire Arts, and you're listening to Be The Love Podcast.
1: Ginny Jablonski, and you're listening to Be The Love Podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, transcending through the shadows. I am Stacey Musial.
2: And I am Sam Fernandez.
0: And we are co-hosts in Souls on the Journey. And thank you again so much for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help the show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath into your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present and take another deep breath into your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this moment and take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out that light and love and sending it back to all of humanity and remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Today we have Ginny Jablonski. Due to Lyme disease, Ginny retired from her career as a protection agent in 2001, and although she had no previous knowledge of esoteric concepts or alternative healing, following a near-death experience, she realized that she could see and hear discarnate spirits, plants, and animals. This sent her on an amazing journey of spiritual and physical healing, which allowed her to overcome the effects of abuse, PTSD, and Lyme disease. Over the past several years, Jenny has focused on sharing the tools she used to overcome the debilitating effects of trauma with both people and animals through classes and intuitive sessions. She travels across the country speaking publicly about her near-death experience and healing journey at various conferences and has been interviewed more than 40 times. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Jenny.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here and speak with both you and Sam.
0: Absolutely. We are too. And we're excited to just learn about your experience and what, how your path has led you to where you are now. So to get us started a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about your spiritual path and and your near-death experience and how this has really impacted your own journey?
1: Well, I never intended to embark on a spiritual path. I really frankly didn't know they existed until after my near-death experience. And I became aware of consciousness. I became aware that plants and animals could communicate and that we can see, or at least I could, um, discarnate spirits and that I could hear trauma in people's nervous system. And it was very confusing. And both my husband and I had just never heard of Of this at all and we thought that it was just a byproduct of medication that I had been on but there was something in me that just knew I just knew that it was real I knew I had a sense of knowing and a sense of faith when I came back from my near-death experience that really propelled me forward it was a seeking mission it was asking questions why why is this happening what am I hearing? how does it work? Why does it hurt? (laughs) Um, And why is it different? Why do people look different? Why do animals look different? Why is there different colors of energy and in people's field? And why do I see different energetic constructs such as the nervous system or the meridians or the chakras? I had a lot of questions. And, you know, knowing things that you shouldn't know um, is very disconcerting. And so I just began asking questions and going to anybody that advertised themselves as a, as a psychic or a healer or a medium. And what I found was very confusing that everybody thought that they knew exactly what was happening to me and, and exactly how the world and the cosmos worked. And what I found was that almost everybody believed different things. And it made it frustrating, but it also made it so fascinating to me. And I kept thinking that there must be some universal truth. There must be some foundational truth. And I just kept searching. I just kept looking. And I loved all of the fascinating opinions and different perspectives but my soul was guiding me to either continue down certain paths or to continue looking elsewhere when I would reach certain places with certain spiritual perspectives. I would hear things like, there's more, you know, keep going. Or when I was shown or introduced to a certain perspective or healing modality, my soul took me into a past life where i had utilized a specific healing modality or i believed in that certain way or i held certain um, rigid beliefs and i was shown the energy of it because i could relate to it in this life because i could see energy and i could also hear the consciousness of the energy especially if it was an emotion or a belief system or some sort of trauma trapped in someone's body and my soul showed me them the many lifetimes where I had gone down these same paths as the healers that I was meeting and choices that I had made and what were the consequences of the choices so it was very fascinating and I, I really on my journey and, and my illness and my eventual near-death experience, I had had everything stripped away from me. My pride, my sense of worth, my my sense that I was a contributing member of society, my, my strength, it was all stripped from me. So when I went on my journey, I wasn't, I didn't, there wasn't any pride or a strong sense of ego compelling me, uh, to be right or to find people who were right or to make judgments in that way, I was just very curious and I wanted to learn and experience everything that I could, which, which allowed me to talk with Sufi masters and yogic uh, masters and to talk with people that had a great understanding of the Kabbalah, though that was um, so very difficult for me to understand. and I, And I found that if you really wanted to understand to a high level, any of these spiritual philosophies, you really had to dedicate yourself for decades to that path. And I didn't feel compelled to dedicate myself to anyone's specific spiritual path, but to go far enough down the rabbit hole to find the common threads within all of them and to put that to use on my own healing journey and having different perspectives, a a wide variety of different perspectives helped me to see how complicated we really are as human beings. And because I had been quite traumatized, a lot of the healing modalities weren't working for me or when people would, do something to me energetically, heal something, remove something from my experience because I could see energy, I would know when it would come back. And I kept asking, why is this not working? I, you know, I paid this person $500. They said they were healing me. Why is it not working? And so it really led me on a path to self awareness and self responsibility and understanding that for me, anyway. What was relevant was a journey of remembering the truth of who I am, remembering that I and in my perspective, everyone, we are divine, infinite beings of light who hold many layers of consciousness within us and our consciousness and our experiences and our emotions and our traumas affect the way our energy moves in our system. It creates disease imbalance. And that's really the journey that I went on, was to remember just enough about many different modalities and perspectives so that I could put together many different philosophies, um, protocols, mantras, and see what really worked for me and what was effective for other people as well.
0: Oh, it sounds like you went on quite the journey. And Mm -hmm. really, that near-death experience really sparked something within you to say there's Got to be more to this, or more to the healing journey, and and led you to where you wanted to be. And I'm just curious, just to kind of give a perspective. Like during uh, before that near death experience, um, what was your life like, and did you recognize there was something missing before you were given this opportunity to really move forward with the healing journey?
1: I don't know that I recognize there's anything missing. I, I probably had several opportunities in my life to make different choices or to, to go on a healing journey or a journey of self-discovery or self-analysis. And at every opportunity, I you know was completely blind to it. I had a couple of spiritually transformative experiences. One was a car crash and one was falling off the back of a motorcycle going about 90, 95 miles an hour on the freeway and literally being caught in midair by what I can only describe as an, you know, I'm sorry if it's dramatic, but like an invisible hand of God that just grabbed me and put me back on the back of the motorcycle. And each time I thought for a few moments, you know, wow, there must be a reason why I'm still alive, I I must have something important to do, but I had no idea what that might be and I just seemed like one of you know more than 7 billion people on the planet regular person with no particular greatness in me didn't seem to me Uh, for my career I was in international security I was an executive protection agent for foreign diplomats visiting our country on non-official visits and um, I excelled in my field, and I loved it. And frankly, it was an escape from my reality and from my pain and from my trauma. And I threw my whole self into the field. And, and it was quite exciting and fascinating and involved a lot of travel. But I was, had never read a self-help book in my life. Um, And the work was very grueling, you know, you would work 14, 16 hours a day without a day off for three or four months at a time. And being a woman, it was very difficult working in a man's field. And I had many certifications and, you know, various ways to kill a person, you know, with small tools that fit in your pocket or um, martial arts training and third party defense training and I was a a competition shooter and a, a marksman, and um, I reloaded my own ammunition. So I was, you know, a, a strong uh, woman. But I was a very asleep, very much operating in the, in the world um, of competition and arrogance and and I wasn't. I I don't think you might have liked to hang out with me then, to be quite <laughs> honest. Uh, so, no. There was nothing missing to me except that uh, my work caused me to become quite ill and experience a tremendous amount of pain because it was not in alignment with my soul purpose and my unhealed wounds and my unhealed trauma and my unrecognized, uh, invalidated emotions within me that were just affecting my body in so many different ways rose to the surface, and I had to retire, medically retire early in my uh, 30s from my career, a career which I loved. So that was really the turning point for me is when I lost my job. Well, thank you for
0: sharing that with us. It helps give a, a little bit of perspective there. And now going back to what you were saying about just the, you know, on your own healing journey and you know, kind of tell us a little bit about what that experience was like when you started to see energy and really, you, you mentioned um, see other people's traumas or feel other people's traumas, I believe, what I remember exactly the words you use, but um, something along those lines. Can you talk a little bit about
1: that? In the beginning, I didn't realize that it was the trauma that I was hearing the consciousness of the emotions or the judgments. I didn't realize it. What happened in the beginning was I could just see and sense energy. Now, I had been quite isolated because I was sick for so long and bedridden, and it was just my husband and myself and and my children who were grown and no longer lived with us. Um, So I didn't really get exposed to a lot of other people except at the chiropractor's office or the grocery store from time to time. So... It, it was rare when it happened, if I was walking my dog or, and I heard a plant talk to me or I heard my animal or someone else's animal walking by, or a, a person on a walk or a person at the doctor's office, I could see the energy. Seeing and hearing were the primary things that were affecting me. I would hear people's thoughts, telepathically hear people's thoughts, But I would also unknowingly be hearing the trauma trapped within them or the trauma projected at them, the judgment or the shame projected at them by other people that was affecting them without their knowledge. And most of us don't realize how much we are at the effect of outside influences. That are externally populating the surface of our energy field. And most people look to me uh, like um, they're walking around in a balloon coated with, you know, burnt molasses because we don't take care, we're not aware that we need to clear the outside surface of our auric field. Even yogic masters or people that did. Um, you know, a lot of meditation and prided themselves on being able to ground and be aware of their energy. Most people, the surface of their energy field was very populated, very congested with unforgiveness and shame and, and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people that did a lot of high level, let's say, Qigong or Tai Chi or, or martial arts training or people that do salt floats, they would generally have sparkly clean, almost sparkly clean uh, or the surface, external surface of the auric field. But even people who did a lot of energy work um, didn't realize that uh, when they were cleansing their field, they needed to also cleanse the outside projections that were coming toward them. And what I found was it was as if people had sticky notes, you know, that that were judging them, maybe their culture or their sex or their political ideology or their religious preferences, or if they were overweight, or if they were short or if they were untidy or, you know, dressed a certain way, um, or spoke a certain way. I heard those projections, those voices radiating from their energy field. And it was confusing because I didn't have any understanding of what it was in the beginning. And so I asked a lot of questions and most of my questions for many years remained unanswered. Um, people wanted to, um, a lot of healers unfortunately also were very unhealed themselves very traumatized and so they would say very invalidating things if they didn't understand my perspective um, a lot of healers at the time i didn't understand even the terminology but they didn't have an ability to be intersubjective so Um, This is one of the uh, abilities I have is this ability to resonate with anybody's consciousness, no matter what they're experiencing, no matter what their uh, perspective, no matter what their religious philosophy, no matter what their worldview, whether it be objective or subjective, I'm able at the level of consciousness to perceive what they need to hear, what they need to, to focus on. And on my journey, a lot of the healers just espoused one particular theory or one particular perspective. You must do this. This is the only way I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. And that was very frustrating. So I did spend a couple of years going to healers with one person in particular. I had three sessions with them a week, three sessions every week. It was a A person with a master's degree in physical therapy who also did energy work and they invited me to do three sessions a week and I didn't think anything of it like that might have been too much or what have you. And I, I did work with this man for six months until I realized not nothing was changing, nothing was changing about my experience. And I wasn't being educated. I wasn't learning a thing about myself. And so after about two years of going to people and having people tell me how my worldview was all wrong and the way I spoke was all wrong and the way I thought about things was all wrong, Mm. just being told I was wrong, 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 wrong. um, I went to Australia. I had this deep desire in me to go to Australia because I felt that the first time I ever physically incarnated on the planet was as an Aboriginal in Australia. And so when I went to Australia and I was lucky enough to meet an amazing Aboriginal woman and work with her, she helped me understand that for the past two years, all of the information that I had been accumulating, that I had been given that was framed almost as entertainment. And I've heard this from other people as well. Oh yes, I've had a lot of Akashic Records readers or psychics tell me I was this or this, or I had this life or that life. But by the time they get to me, they say, but nobody ever said there was an opportunity for healing in that information. Mm -hmm. And I learned that, and I think it was 2014 when I went to Australia and thank goodness I did. And I did it on my own. And I, I went to Uluru to Ayers Rock and stayed in the hostel mm-hmm. and um, meditated with the rocks. At, 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 like lying on the ground with all the passers by just walking by me. I didn't care. I needed to lie right there by that rock and meditate. Mm-hmm. And with the Aboriginal woman, I was shown so many things. Um, Karmic relationships, victim-victimizer relationships. That everything that we learn about ourselves is an opportunity for healing. And and sh- brief sort of um, ways to. She didn't give me, you know, like six months worth of training or anything like that. But a lot of ideas that I was able to bring home and expand upon. That involved um, forgiveness and resolution and self-awareness and uh, to be aware of the ways in which I had blamed myself and felt that I had betrayed myself. And really, when I went to Australia, two years after I started my healing journey, that's when my healing journey really began. Mm -hmm. Those first two years were really teaching me How not to be a healer, how not to be a friend, how not to be a colleague, how not to counsel people, because almost nothing I did in those first two years, and I had spent tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in those first two years, almost nothing was helpful to me, until I learned the perspective from the aboriginals that illness is an expression of uh, the body expresses what the mind has not yet processed, etc. Et so that's pretty much how it started.
2: I really uh, appreciate what you what you said a little bit ago, when you were talking about how you went through all these different modalities. And, you know, you talk to these gurus or healers or whatever and they're saying you know my way is the right way I'm gonna you know this done the other thing and nothing really fit for you because um, I you know I believe as well you know that this this spiritual path uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing what you said to how nothing from western eastern you know you tried it all and, and nothing really worked it's when you went to Australia when you actually followed you know, your intuition followed your heart is where you found your healing. Um, I really appreciated that too because I'm I'm a Native American and I've tried for a long time to really get into that type of spirituality, but for some reason, it just right now it just doesn't feel like it's right. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I tried a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Hinduism, and, and some things felt right and some things didn't feel right, and yeah, it's it's definitely it's just it's not a one size fits all thing. You know, everybody has their kind of their uh, I don't want to say like niche, but you know they there there is something that fits, but it's not all encompassing. You know, and and one day it could be something and another day it could completely be something else. So. I do appreciate that, uh, that you did mention that and your, uh, your journey to find, you know, your spiritual healing, it's, that's some pretty fascinating stuff too. Um, I'm, I've heard of Uluru and, and, you know, the, the just amazing place that it is. So that's really cool that you're able to just be there with, with the rocks, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and out of everything, everything you tried, the rock is what, did it for you, you know, and I just, I just think that's amazing. Um, I wanted to uh, rewind a little bit too because you, you mentioned also that you're able to see uh, energies of people, but you're also able to hear animals speak. So, mm-hmm. as far as you know, the healing work that you do, can you talk a little bit more about that kind of work that you do with people and any work that you do with animals as well on on that healing side?
1: Well, the work that I do with people and animals is very similar. Um, And it goes beyond uh, the more readily available perspective of animal consciousness and what animal consciousness is capable of. So the way that I work is, and I've received many certifications and many healing modalities, and I've walked away from all of them. I do not use protocol the way I work my agreement with my soul that I am willing to do this work on this planet only in alignment with other people's souls with their permission and not I don't work from my conscious understanding of anything. And this goes back to that idea of intersubjectivity, being able to relate to another person's subjective Consciousness experience. And I don't mean consciousness, the scientific definition of consciousness, our self awareness and our intellectual mind. I mean the consciousness of the physical body, every cell of the body, the consciousness of the energy field, the consciousness of our soul. So the way I work is that I will only see, sense, or hear what is the soul's priority of the person. So for example, you a person wouldn't come to me if they wanted to know what house to buy or they had a question about a specific relationship or they were looking for a certain outcome. I have a certain illness that I want to be healed. To me, that illness most likely will be buried under 50 or hundred layers of emotional trauma, unforgiveness, unresolved wounds and patterns. So the way I work is I will tell a person's soul what a person's consciousness, what their soul wants them to know or where they might have energy blocks. I will be able to perceive that might be preventing them to successfully fulfill the healing and intentions that they've been cultivating for years, And people come to me and they'll say, you know, I've been meditating for 35 years, I've been doing this, this and this, and it just doesn't seem to shift. And then I give them a message from their soul. And that what it's like a linchpin, the one thing or a cork in the bottle that needs to be released that they just weren't consciously aware of. And I work the same way with the animals. I don't I, I am not the kind of animal communicator that will go into an animal's conscious memory, like a Rolodex, and pull out memories and answer questions for the owner. I honor the animal soul. I won't know anything the animal soul does not want me to do, want me to know. So, for example, if the animal's sole purpose and they have chosen to pass away in two months, And the owner calls me and says, you know, um, what can I do to to help the animal? Or is the animal ill? The vet can't figure it out. If the animal wants me to know and chooses to live, they will tell the owner, uh, I have, you know, there's something wrong with my kidneys or there's something wrong with my heart or I have an energy block in my feet and I can't ground. But if the animal, the sole choice of the animal is to pass away. I might not be given specific information, which is why I'm, I do not call myself a medical intuitive. I feel that a lot of that work is done um, that is a bit of a violation of animal and people, um, their soul journey, their soul wishes. So I try to work in alignment with the soul journey and the soul wishes of whomever I'm working with, be it animal or human. And what I'm finding with animals is that they have a consciousness that is far more capable than most people understand. And they also have mirror neurons the same way we humans have mirror neurons. And they have been domesticated for thousands of years and in the middle inserted into this um, the way the world works, the human condition, the belief systems the um, preferences of humans that we project onto the animals. And because they have mirror neurons, our uh, trauma or the things that they perceive in the world around them, as it is uh, read the, the inference of the trauma that they are perceiving The the mirror neurons cause their nervous system to believe they have experienced that same thing. So I feel like in general, there's a misunderstanding about human projecting on animals, although there is some, I don't think it's quite as um, clearly defined as people would have. Um, uh, I think there's a lack of understanding of how and why sometimes animals do take on human trauma, suffering and illness. Sometimes it's their choice, and sometimes they're unable to manage their own energy field because they've experienced a trauma or a shock, which has created a block in their ability to manage their own energy or communicate with their own soul, etc. Literally consciously communicate with their own soul. And the function of the mirror neurons is to let all of us know when there's danger, when there's a risk and to go into fight or flight. We all have that. Animals have many more mirror neurons than we do. So then their nervous system takes on trauma that they perceive outside of them, that they see and experience outside of them. And and I think there's a tremendous misunderstanding about that as well. So I try to help those people who come to me help their animals release energetic blocks, uh, be aware of how they might be um, taking on other people's energy and they're not aware of it or they're aware of it and they would make a different choice if they could. But now they've got themselves in a bit of a pickle because their energy field is filled now with human emotion or trauma. And it's just incompatible with their energy, with their template, with their blueprint. Animals were never meant to carry human trauma, um, and so that's that's the work I do is helping people become more aware of what's going on in their energy field, where they might have belief systems that are preventing them from healing. And I've seen that with animals as well. Thank you for for sharing
0: that. I think that you know really makes a lot of sense. You know, when we think about animals and our own traumas, and you know. As conscious beings, you know, if we're if we're around um, people of maybe negative energy, or maybe we're consuming too much media, or you know, eating the wrong foods, or you know, things like that, that's going to affect. That's, that affects our energetic aura, you know, and and of course, it would impact an animal as well. You know, I've, you know how they absorb just like their environment. We all in, in absorb our environment. And so, and you mentioned too, just even like um, the people that you've worked with or, or maybe you've talked with or gather this information with like the yogis and the you know people who still have these like traumas and their outer environments really still connected with them despite the work that they're doing. And so I'm wondering, You know, what are some of those tools that you that have been able to help people and animals clear some of those traumas from their their fields and their bodies?
1: Well, the tools are different for humans and animals because humans, number one, we can communicate with one another. We can purposely uh, self-analyze, we can put our hand on our heart and inquire, Um, we can intentionally ground and scan our own energy field and see where we may or may not be fully grounded or fully balanced. Um, Some of the tools are questions, self-inquiry questions. Why does this pattern keep happening every time I date a woman or a man? I get to a certain point in my relationship and it um, sort of fizzles out or there's a huge explosion Um, or every time I feel like I have my dream job, somehow I self-sabotage or it just feels like someone's out to get me. You know, what is the source of these patterns? Where are these patterns coming from? So one set of tools is self-inquiry. Um, what, what did I come here to learn through this experience? So I would always ask people to please bring earth energy up through their feet, life force energy down through their head, focus on their heart, breathe in an appropriate way to calm the system go into the heart space, focus on something loving, um, a, a joyful, try to tap in to gratitude at the very least, something you're grateful for, and then put your hand on your heart and ask your own soul, your own consciousness. Why, what did I intend to learn through having this experience? What was I meant to learn? What am I not seeing? What am I resisting? right? These are self-inquiry questions. What is at the root of uh, this um, feeling that I'm having or this pain in my knee or my low back or my shoulder? A lot of times we go to the doctor and the doctor mm-hmm. can't find anything wrong with us because there really is nothing physically wrong with us. It's our emotional body expressing through us in, in little um, experiences of pain to get our attention. Mm -hmm. right the mental body expresses through us in in thoughts that we are not proud of thoughts that maybe don't seem like thoughts we would want to have they don't seem kind they don't seem loving they don't seem compassionate and there is an opportunity for self-inquiry also I've just had that thought where did that come from did that belong to me was it projected on me by my parents as a child or my family as a child was it projected on me during my school and academic education where are the thoughts coming from? What is the source? Is it that the outside of my energy field is clogged up? So those are some tools. There are many other tools, a little bit more esoteric that we can use for self-inquiry. One of the greatest tools I have found um, for doing trauma release work is Movement, which I'm a practitioner of. And it takes the um, psychotherapy process of EMDR, even further and incorporates neuro-linguistic programming skills, Chinese medicine, knowledge, um, neurobics, which is a way of strengthening the brain and the mind and through, um, instead of repetition through variation. And so it's a wonderful uh, modality for your nervous system and your energy field to communicate with you. And it's something that you can do at almost no cost just buy a ball or if you have a ball hanging around at your house um, and there are free videos on the internet. There are also practitioners like myself that can facilitate it. And of course, it's very effective being facilitated, but you can do it for free. Um, Watch the videos for free that the creator of Movement, Bill McKenna, uh, did and continues to do to this day to just support people to become more self- aware and have a relationship with their body and their nervous system and their energy field. It's quite fascinating mm. with animals, the work I do is a little bit different you know i'll I'll ask them if they can see their own light i'll ask them if they're working with their guides and sometimes I'll hear, Oh, I wondered who those dogs were or who those horses were, (laughs) you know, they've just been all around me here, but I never thought to talk to them. (laughs) Um, I'll ask them if they're able to ground, if they're able to control their own energy, if they understand um, the relationship with the owner, you know, do they have um, a contract with them, Uh, help them understand that they might be taking on human energy and is that what they intend? Uh, because it will lead to illness. In my opinion, this is one of the reasons so many animals have so many human diseases mm. or that seem to be uh, this rash of diseases that used to be human diseases and now they're uh, affecting the animals. Uh, a, a lot of times the animals say, "You know, actually, no, I'd prefer not to be sick because somebody else has some stuff, but animals like humans when we experience shock or trauma, we begin to realize that we have to manage our environment to stay safe, you know, safety, security and survival become a real issue for animals as well. And so we develop these coping mechanisms and one of the cope, one of the many coping mechanisms we have is to energetically sense the environment read the room take on people's anger or frustration just to make sure we're going to get our dinner tonight. That happened to me when I was a kid and it happens to all kinds of animals. You don't want to make the person upset who's feeding you. You don't want to see them suffering. You would rather you know, sit on the couch and have a loving relationship. And so we begin uh, to develop these coping mechanisms and animals do that as well. Absolutely.
0: That makes a lot of sense, you know, that they, they really sense their environment and they, they, I know, you know, with animals, um, how they can develop even fear, fear strategies, you know, with their owners. Um, you know, I took in um, a rescue about there well, probably 11 years ago now he's 13 and a half, but, um, yeah, when he first, when he, when he first came to me, he was, um, he had been abused, and so that he was really afraid of males, and he remembered this, and that was part of his nervous system, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he would um, have accidents in the house if he didn't think he could get outside, and and so there was, like, these patterns that he was in, and and over time, you know, he's really, um, that has, calmed down his nervous system has like calmed down and he's been um he feels safe now and he's you know males he still like barks out a lot you know a lot more than females but you know he knows when he's gonna get fat he knows when he's gonna go outside and you know he's he's really just um calmed down and and his nervous system has you know uh regulated a lot more just being in a loving environment and so it's, it's been interesting to see his how he's shifted over the years.
1: Yes, and you you bring up a good point. Um, That's a bit of an aside from where our conversation has gone, but I I hope you'll allow me just to to share something if we have a few more moments. Sure. Um, One of the things that um, frustrate, I guess frustrates me, is that oftentimes people have, um, we have a tendency to say, This person has toxic energy, I can't be around them. Or we have a tendency to say, if an animal doesn't like someone, you know, I trust the animal, right? This, it must be a bad person. And I see people all day long and animals all day long who have bad reactions to people because the person has the similar wound to us. So if someone has a sense of unworthiness, or they're carrying a lot of guilt or shame, or they're very angry, and they come in contact with us, and we have a lot of anger or guilt or shame, we could be triggered by that. And our knee jerk reaction in our subconscious desire to protect ourselves, and not face change and the truth within us it's easier to say there's something wrong with that person right and if an animal is uh, snarling or cowering or repulsed by a human it doesn't necessarily mean the human's bad it might mean that dead aunt sally goes everywhere with the human and your dog can see dead people you know, it might mean that that person is being sexually abused and feels so much shame and that that it's overwhelming. And the dog is sensing that sometimes animals try to give people a message, stand in your power, you're not, um, you're not aware of what is really hurting you. So I do, I do tend to, to see a lot of that. And I wish, this is why I have these conversations with people. I wish that we could all be more aware of our own wounds so that we're not constantly deflecting and blaming everything outside of us for the discomfort we feel inside of us. And it happens with animals as well. Well, thank you
0: for, for sharing that piece. And I think it's, you know, important. That's one of the messages we certainly like to, you know, send home here is that, you know, it, it's really, it's an internal journey, right? Mm-hmm. The answer doesn't lie without outside of us. It lies within. And and like you said earlier, you know, I mean, you know, that you, you went to all these healers, you know, um, and everyone was like, you know, no, I, I've got the right way. I've got the right way. You know, my way is the best and, you know, you're wrong and, you know, all these messages. And and that's like, you know, I think our whole world, our world, you know, has fought over wars on, right. In so many ways, because there's this ego that comes with that. And, you know, but when we recognize that it's not about the external, it's, you know, it's, Within us, we, the doctor is not the expert on our lives. The therapist is not the expert. We have to really tune in and listen to what our soul is calling for. What is our soul saying? What do we need, you know, as an individual? It's not the, it's not, the answer does not lie outside of us. So I think that's really an important message to keep, you know, delivering because it's so embedded in our culture
1: absolutely and and that tendency um when we are redirected on our path by our soul the tendency to to also sort of fall back on the idea that if we were redirected from something that means it's bad and a lot of times it's a person or a friendship Right. And I see a lot of social media posts about, you know, taking out the trash and not being able to have a seat at my table if you don't resonate with me or you're not part of my tribe and all of that. And that's a very unfortunate um, place to be. And it's a very, I feel, unnecessary way to learn on our journey to learn self-worth and self-respect and self-awareness by having that mirror to us in, you know, in, in those experiences, sometimes being redirected is just better for you or better for the other person, because we're all so unique. And we all have such diverse, ancient soul blueprints, soul history, soul preferences and wounds that no one person fits into any mold that i've ever been shown ever
0: yeah and i think you know we all are coming from some kind of trauma Mm -hmm. and it's really about i think at this point in recognizing that trauma whether you know the generational trauma or even the um the trauma that um i can't think of the word at the moment that (laughs) isn't um very it's not um you know, is overt, right? It's like, you know, the, um, the neglect of needs and, and things like that, that happens. And um, but recognizing that there's so much trauma that has happened in our, just the generation after generation. And we need, it's a time to come to create community and acceptance and this love that mm-hmm. we can all step into and recognize that we all have these beautiful gifts to give to the world and that we can when we step into our truth into our soul's truth and alignment with that we can all shine and help each other shine
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the title of your podcast is Be the Love. And it's difficult for some of us who are maybe more traumatized than others. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, to wear that as a badge of honor, you know, my trauma is more relevant than yours, or my spirituality is better than yours, or my God is better than yours. Or I'm not talking about in a comparative way, but for those of us who struggle more to be the light who struggle more to find the light inside of us, who struggle more to find and resonate with frequencies of gratitude, of peace, of joy. For some of us, we've come here to really clean up a lot of unresolved traumas, a lot of lessons that we hadn't quite learned. We hadn't quite put it all to bed to tie up the loose ends. And those people generally have a tremendous amount to share about their journey on the other side. But unfortunately, it's quite painful when we're going through it. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think part
1: of like, you know, our, our show is, you
0: know, really honoring that shadow the trauma the stuff that's dark too not just about the light because we can't go through the dark without getting to the light we can't have the light without the dark we have to you know honor it all that's what makes us human and I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of spiritually spiritual bypassing that can happen you know when we say oh let's just be the light because that's unrealistic. Mm
1: -hmm. You know,
0: we, some of us are, we're going to go through dark times. We're going to go through pain and, you know, we're going to go through the trauma and that's part of the human experience. So I think, you know, we have to go through that in order to recognize that we are the
1: light. Well, there are hundreds of messages and they're all relevant to someone you know i know people that have had near death experiences and they just come back and they say god is real and i saw grandma and grandpa and i'm good i'm content
0: yeah they
1: don't necessarily go on what you or i might define as a spiritual journey but sure. they're content and they realize all I really have to do to get through this life is is to just be forgiving and be compassionate and be kind to myself and know that heaven is real. That's a legitimate path to take. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely. It and wasn't I... enough for me. And then there's everything in between. That you know, um, it's when I think we try to hit each other over the head with our journeys or compare our journeys, and you know, then it gets a little messy. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I I agree. I think, you know, there, there's a point where there's ego that can come into it, you know, and and about to recognize we are all on a path of, you know, and, and nobody's path is better than the other. it's, you know, we're all on our own healing journey. We're going to get to where we need to based on what our soul is needing. And maybe in this lifetime, it might get to where you know it wants to be and and you know but that's everyone's path you know and we have to honor and respect that and not judge you know come from a place of acceptance and love
1: right and the i always say the chasm between let's say forgiveness and unconditional forgiveness is huge but the chasm between judgment and non-judgment is even wider Mm -hmm. And so these are these are journeys that in, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago, people would incarnate into one life to learn one lesson, one lesson. And they'd spend their whole life toiling with one lesson, knowingly or unknowingly. I mean, heck, there are shamans and siddhas in the in the east and the Mm -hmm. far east who spend a decade or more meditating on one spiritual gift to develop one spiritual gift. They wanna levitate. They wanna move something with their mind. They wanna be very telepathic that, you know? And in this life, so many of us have chosen to clean up a lot of loose ends and learn a lot of lessons all at once on a very accelerated path so that we could get in and experience this time of evolution for humanity and transcend the human form into something the world has never seen before And for most people, it's not a very, it's not like you're floating on an inner tube going down a nice lazy river. It's a little bit complicated. Yep.
0: It can be a little bit overwhelming (laughs) if you chose that path. Absolutely. Right. Well, Jenny, this has been so fun just having this conversation. Um, I le- just want to, you know, we're about um, just to be respectful of time. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners how they can find you and what you're currently working on.
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm writing a book called Healing Beauty. And I had this short story, the introduction to the book just published in another book called Animal Prints on My Soul by Divas That Care, uh, a lovely woman named Candice Gish. Uh, my website is heartofthehorse.us so that's heart of the horse e . u s there is another heartofthehorse.org or something that's not me i'm i'm teaching classes now on self awareness and and consciousness and what it means to be human and exploring our humanness But I don't really have any social media. I stay pretty busy just with word of mouth. Beautiful. And we'll add your
0: links onto our show notes. People can find you. So thank you, Jenny, for being here with us today and sharing the space with us to have this beautiful conscious conversation. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we'd absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work we're doing, please consider making a donation to our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other and love the world. We love you.
2: Amen. Love you guys. Take care and we'll talk to you later.
1: Hi, I'm Ginny Jablonski, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'm an intuitive healer who helps to give people and animals messages from their soul to help them move ahead on their spiritual journey. And thank you for listening to Be the Love podcast.
0: reconciliation be the light that says yes to all creation be the love be-